So this is from Daniel chapter 6, starting from verse 1, and it's on page 891. Yes, right, perfect. (laughs) It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now that the king might not suffer loss, sorry, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of the government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal ministers, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sunset to save him. Then the men who went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Whoa. What's going to happen to Daniel? <sighs> I'm Stephen. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Paddington Church. And what Daniel really needs in this situation is wikihow.com. 
wikihow.com has seven tips on how to survive a lion's attack. Let me uh, run you through them just so you're ready, to, ready when it come, happens to you. Number one, stay away from mating lions. Right, that, that was good advice, apparently, that they're extra like hostile in those moments. Number two, don't panic. <laughs> face to face with a lion who is seven times stronger than human beings with four inch teeth, I'm going to panic. Okay, number three, don't run. Lions can run 50 miles an hour. There's no point running. Um, now it gets good, though. Number four, retreat slowly. Oh, yes, very wise advice. And then now we're getting somewhere. Five, shout as loud as possible. Yell from the depths of your lungs. Shouting at a lion. Surely that's not going to make things better, is it? <laughs> number six, punch. That, that, that's at number six. And then number seven tells you where to punch. Number seven, aim for the face. <laughs> so, so now you're ready. Now you're prepared. This is what Daniel needed in that situation to fight the lions. Wikihow.com. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> We're going to um, think about this passage because actually this passage is sort of biblical wisdom on how to survive the lions then. Because... Um, the, the world we live in is actually quite a hostile world. In fact, the whole message of Daniel, as Nick said earlier, tells the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again from different angles. The message of Daniel is there are two kingdoms. Kingdom of God, kingdom of the world. And it's all about how God's people live in the kingdom of the world. In a hostile world that's out to get them. And actually, the message is kind of kings will rise and kings will fall, but God's kingdom stands forever because God is big and in charge. And so today, the angle we're looking at is lions. And so like kind of, well, we're going to think about life in the lion's den because for God's people, it is a bit like we're in a lion's den. And we're going to see four, not seven tips, sorry, wikihow, four tips on how to survive um, the lion's den. So here we go, verse one. Um, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. Verse three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself above the satraps and ministers by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So, a little history. At this point, the Babylonian Empire kind of have crumbled and been defeated, and now the Persian Median Empire, they're in charge, uh, led by King Cyrus the Great, who's now kind of put Darius in charge of this, this area. And that gives us a date for this. This is kind of 70 years after Daniel went into exile. He, he's an old man. He's like in his 80s. He was taken as a teenager. Now, now he's an old, old man in his 80s. <laughs> And you think, like, for him, it would be so easy just to kind of blend in and look like everybody else, like, like act in the exact same ways as everyone else around him, kind of, kind of especially because another king has turned up. He must be thinking, oh, what? Just allow this. Like, 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 what's the point? Every time I try and do well, another king turns up. So easy for him to blend in. But, but Daniel... He stands up, doesn't he? And I think this is kind of the first little tip for us, surviving life in the lion's den as Christians. Um, be different. I think Daniel's got two things that make him stand out, right? Number one, he's a man of faith. And every single person knows it. I mean, check out verse 16. This is, this is Darius, the big boss. He says, may your God, whom you serve continually. Like, like he knows Daniel's a man of faith. But the second thing that stands up at Daniel is, is there in verse 3. His exceptional qualities. 
he is like absolutely, he, he works hard, he's an excellent worker. Like, like he, what a great picture for us. Because you would have asked like young um, primary school age Daniel, what do you want to do when you grow up, Daniel? His answer would not have been, oh, I'll be taken to a foreign land when I was a teenager and serve under all these different kings. Like, no, he's in a place he does not want to be in, doing things he does not want to do, and yet he's different, isn't he? He stands out. He, he, he's working hard to bless. And what a great example for us as Christians, right? We may be in jobs that we absolutely hate, maybe in classes in school that we just, just could not care less about, and yet God calls us to be different there, to be people of faith so everyone knows that we're, we're like faithful people, but also to be working hard, looking to bless and make the places we go to better and better and better, be different. Um, it's a bit like, um, well, this guy's called Tim Keller. He came to, to England in 2018. He came to England to speak to Parliament. So he, he was at Parliamentary Breakfast thing where, where there's like all the big movers and shakers in the whole country were sitting there. And Tim Keller gave a 25-minute speech. It's amazing. And the main thruster was this. He basically said, look, the best thing you can do for your country is to let Christians be Christians. He said, Christians won't benefit society if they're just like everyone else in society. And guys, that's Daniel, isn't it? He is not like anyone else. He's standing above and beyond by being different, by being this thing, by living out his faith. As Christians, we do everything we, we, we do for the glory of God. And as Paul kind of says in, in 2 Corinthians, like with the aroma of Christ, we kind of um, spread it around and, and share it. We, we, we act in a way that makes people around us better. Be different shiny. I mean, the flip side of that is true, isn't it? What, what Keller said, like, we won't bless anybody if we look like everybody. As Christians, be different. And actually, Daniel's difference, like, it stands out, doesn't it? Um, the king notices. In fact, every single king in Daniel notices Daniel's difference, and they keep promoting him up and up and up every single time, because he works so hard. And then, well, we read this in verse 4. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the laws of his God. Oh. 120 people like, gather together to try and bring Daniel down. To, to them, Daniel's like Lorna Baden. Um, anyone heard of Lorna Baden before? Oh, good. She's in my primary school, so I don't if you should know her. <laughs> she, 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 was my, she was my year six rival in primary school. Okay? Like, like, like in the class, she was smarter than me. She, she, she knew more than me, and the teachers loved her more than me. So do you know what I did? Except the hype. I used every opportunity I could to try and undermine Lorna Baden. Sitting next to her, I'd like to say, miss, miss, miss. Lorna's got question three wrong. Have a look at this. Huh? Undermine. And then she'd answer a question, put her hand up and say, oh, this is the answer. No, 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 miss. Actually, Lorna's wrong. Here's the correct answer. What a game. <laughs> My whole year six was, was, was bent on bringing her down. <laughs> oh, envy and jealousy. It's horrible. It's a killer. Uh, I mean, you look at it here. These people are envious and jealous of Daniel's position and him being promoted up. And they want to try and bring him down. In fact, Aren't these the first lions we meet in Daniel 6? 
these lions prowling around looking to devour Daniel. Um, that's kind of the second thing for us to think about, right? Uh, life in the lion's den, be alert. It's a hostile world, a hostile kingdom to Christians. As Christians, we will not always enjoy the favor of the land. In fact, we're finding that out more and more, aren't we, in this country? Uh, 1 Peter says, I mean, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. We are surrounded by lions. Be alert. And like, it's fascinating, isn't it? These lions, they kind of scour Daniel's history. They look at how he's been working, look how he's used money, look at his search history, and, and they can find nothing. The only thing they can try and attack him on is his faith. That's beautiful, isn't it? I wonder if that's true of us. Like in our conduct at work or, or, or at school, like, is it our faith that's the only thing they can pin on us? But have a look at him in verse 6. These chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, Making Darius live forever. The royal ministers, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. Wait, that's not true. And Daniel didn't agree this. Um, you know, lying to the king that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to your majesty, shall be thrown to the lion's den. And the king's like, Oh, yeah, sounds fantastic. I love that bit of praise. Ooh. But I think this here, this is actually the biggest threat to Daniel's faith. To, to, to Daniel, it's, it's, it's not, not the lions, but this moment here, not the claws, but the laws. See, think about it. The easy thing to Daniel in this moment would be just to say, you know what? It's only 30 days. I'm just going to stop praying for 30 days. Don't, don't, don't want to make a big, big, big wave. Don't want to kind of cause a stir. I'm just going to stop praying, relax, chill out. I'll get back to it in 30 days' time. That'll be the easy thing for Daniel. But that's not what God wants. In fact, this is the big, big battle for Daniel's heart. Like, 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 like if these ministers come true with what they're trying to do, well, Daniel's connection with the living God will be broken. It's his faith, his soul that's on the line here. Um, and I wonder if that's true for us, right? If, if the things that are the biggest threats to us are not necessarily the, the things that look most obvious, like, like kind of social rejection or persecution, like actually, I wonder if bigger threats to us as Christians is the, the subtle things that we don't notice in the background. Like maybe living in Hove, um, the comfort, materialistic greed culture. Maybe it's those little choices to kind of um, sack off church for, for one week and go somewhere else, and then it becomes two weeks, and it becomes three weeks. Like, I wonder if those subtle things are the, the bigger dangers to our hearts, to our souls, to us. Be alert. Because we're left there kind of waiting to see what Daniel will do. Like, will... Will the devil succeed and kind of get Daniel up off his knees? Well, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What a legend. Go on, Daniel. Um, he's a bit like... Um, 
than one of these. This is a ruler from Wendy's desk in the office. Yep, very important. But, but, but like, rulers are great. They're really flexible, right, aren't they? So you go, wee. And, and back in um, school, you could do the thing where you go, brrr, and it makes a really fun sound. That was amazing. But rulers are really flexible. And that's kind of Daniel, isn't it? Like, he's really flexible in loads of different ways. He kind of serves every king that's around. He's kind of um, trying to make the place a better place by, by working really hard, being excellent, serving, serving. But rulers, they don't bend this way, do they? In fact, no matter what kind of force you push on that way, it's not going to bend. That's like Daniel. He's flexy in so many ways, but not in his faith. He has not got flexible, changing faith. He is solid, no matter what force comes against him, no matter what threats are made against him. And I wonder if that's kind of what God calls us to do too. Well, I mean, it is what God calls us to do as Christians, to not waver in matters of the heart, in matters of faith, like, 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 like no matter what pressure, no matter what kind of flack we take, that doesn't bend. And that's what Daniel's doing. He's praying. This is kind of the third little tip, I think, from this chapter, being prayerful. Daniel's praying. And why is he praying? Well, verse 10 tells us, because he's always been praying. He's doing exactly what he's always done. Daniel prays because he prays. In fact, um, even in verse 11, you notice this. These men went as a group and found Daniel praying. Like, they know exactly where to find Daniel. They know exactly where he'll be. 122 of them gathering outside his window. Not suspicious at all, but they're just like watching him pray. They know what he'll be doing because that's what he always does. Um, Daniel prays. I think this is brilliant. Lizzie and I, we we moved house two years ago to Portslade. What a place. Amazing. Um, and uh, in, in, in Port Slade, I like, like, like for me, I love running. So I had to find some brand new running routes in Port Slade. And I found one that's, that's on point. You go up the downs, past Four Down Tower, lovely, get up towards Devil's Light. So nice. And I must have run that running route like every week, two or three times a week. I know it so, so well. In fact, I've run it so much in the summer, in the sun, in the light, that, that when like, that, like the dead of winter comes, I know where I'm going. My feet know the potholes. They know the little sticking out bits of grass to avoid. Like, 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 I can't even see it, but I know. I just run. I've tread that path so many times that it's natural to keep treading that path. Done it in the light, so when the darkness comes, isn't that true of Daniel? But kind of, he's built up this habit of continually being on his knees, praying to the living God, 70 years, a lifetime of prayer, so that when the darkness comes, when the threats close in, he does what he always does. And I think like the habits we form in the light prepare us for the darkness. As Christians, life is dark. We might face personal darkness or like society darkness or like national COVID darkness. And yet, the habits we form in the light prepare us and sustain us through the dark. I wonder what kind of your habits are sustaining and shaping for you. Daniel's praying as he always does. What a man. And I think this is kind of the secret to how he's been able to survive 70 years in exile with his faith so strong because he's a prayerful man who loves the Lord and is close to the Lord. But these 120 people who've got their eye in for Daniel, they see him praying and so they run off. Run off back to King Darius and they're like, hey king, king, do you remember that, that, that law you made? Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. No praying to you. Yeah, 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 fantastic. And, and king, what was the punishment again? 
Ah, oh, lion's den, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then verse 13, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. Hey, notice their racism there. That's tinged in here as well. Their jealousy, envy, and racism towards Daniel. Verse 13, he pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort till sunset to save him. Their plan seems to be working, doesn't it? They've got Daniel right where they want him. Lions are closing in. And yet, notice the irony here, right? The king, the one that everyone's supposed to be praying to for 30 days, can do literally nothing to save Daniel. He spends like hours trying to look for loopholes, trying to break this law, trying to, trying to free Daniel, and yet he can't do it. And he's the one they're praying to. Like, it just seems ludicrous and ridiculous, right? It shows us the true power of the kings of the earth. Uh, they can't do anything of any substance. They haven't got any real power. The king's efforts lead nowhere. And so verse 16, the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And at this point, we want to know what Daniel's thinking and feeling. We want to know his emotional state, right? And yet, look, verse 18, then the king returned to his... Wait, we find out more about the king and his state of mind and where he's at than Daniel. I think that's kind of like the author putting some dramatic tension for us that's kind of lost because we know this story so, so well. We're meant to be like, what about Daniel? Forget the king, Daniel! Verse 20. The first light of dawn, the king runs to the den. And I was thinking about this. What is he expecting to find? Like, when he gets there, what's he looking for? Surely it's going to be a, a, like a bloody massacre. Like, like he, the, the, there's no hope. The, the guards there must be like laughing at him, going, why is this guy calling out to, to, to a dead man? What's he expecting to find down there? Verse 21. This kind of faint echo comes through the massive stone. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and they shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Wow. And Daniel's lifted out of the lion's den. The living God saves Daniel from death. And it's beautiful. And it kind of reminds me of a Spanish word we learned over in Spain. This is our, our kind of, as a Spain team, this is our all-time favorite word of the week, I think, when we learned it. Um, here it's on the board. Uh, tranquilo. Yeah? Should we say it together? Tranquilo. A bit more energy. Tranquilo. <laughs> um, lovely. Because that, that word, right? Tranquilo, we, we said it all the time. It means like, chill, peace, relax, calm. Doesn't that kind of sum up Daniel? Like, he's had the most tranquilo night of ever. Like, he's been sitting there, relaxed, chilled out, lions like, like sleeping around him. He's been having a lovely time. The king, on the other hand, verse 18, spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. The king's more troubled than Daniel. Daniel's tranquilo. 
Max Lynch Hill. Legend. And I think this kind of brings us on to the, to, to, to the kind of last thing. God's people, we can be hopeful in a world full of lions. I mean, right here, Daniel's not the only one on trial. Uh, I think actually God's on trial here. If you think about it, right? The question is, will the living God save his man Daniel and prove that he's alive? And as Daniel comes up out of that, 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 that den, alive and well, it shows that God is alive and well. In fact, Darius in verse 26 even says that. This is a pagan king who kind of sums up the whole of Daniel in one verse. Verse 26 says, For God is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. Our God saves. He is the only one who can rescue. The only one who can save. This means as God's people, no matter what kind of lions prowl around us, we have hope. When I first became a Christian, when I was 17 years old, I was given a book to read by a guy called Simon Giebold, I think that's how you say it. And uh, my favorite kind of quote in the whole book that stuck in my head ever since is this, is on the board. He said, we are immortal till God calls us home. As Christians, that's true, isn't it? Like nothing can harm us until God wants to bring us into his presence. That's the truth of being part of God's kingdom. We get that beautiful protection and hope. But it's not true if you're not part of God's kingdom. Look at verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown to the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. What a sharp, pointed contrast. It shows us what happens if we're part of the kingdom of the world. Enemies of God's people. The day of salvation and hope for God's people is a day of judgment and death for those who oppose God. There is no protection that the world can offer us on that day. No king can save us. No, no, nothing we hope and trust in can save us. And so I just want to kind of say, like, which kingdom are you part of? Are you part of the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of God? Because only one of those places is secure. Only one of those places is eternal. Only one of those will make it to the end. And how do you know that? As we're going through this passage, like, you can't help but notice the number of, kind of Jesus echoes there are, like Jesus silhouettes all the way through. You know, it's like Jesus in the lion's den. I mean, you think about it. Um, Jesus and Daniel, innocent men who are falsely accused of crimes they didn't commit. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, a weak ruler who cannot save them. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Both of them silenced before their accusers the whole way through the passage. You notice that? That sounds familiar. A giant stone rolled across the entrance of a tomb, signifying finality and death. Early in the morning, the stone rolled away and a life bursting out of the tomb. Like, like you cannot help but just stare at Jesus all the way through this, right? But there is one difference. Jesus endures what Daniel was spared. Um, in Psalm 22, which is sort of like a, a kind of director's cut commentary of the cross um, from the Old Testament, um, it, it, here's what we read. Lots of flicking. Many bulls surround me. This is Jesus, kind of words that Jesus <laughs> pointing towards him. 
Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. Jesus on the cross had the lions with their mouths wide open, suffered absolute agony and pain, dying. Where is Daniel? Lions, mouths shut. Jesus endured what Daniel was spared, and he endured what his people are spared. If you're part of the kingdom of God, we can have certain beautiful hope in the future, right? Because Jesus has taken the bite of the lions away. So we can enjoy being part of that everlasting kingdom. What a beautiful thing. See, that's like four little things to help us keep going with the lions then. Be different. Be alert. Be prayerful and be hopeful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this familiar passage that has so much gold in it, so much stuff that points us to the wonders and beauties of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the one who endured the roaring, tearing lions so that we will be spared that fate. Thank you that being part of his kingdom is a secure and wonderful place to be.